Welcome to Strings Attached. I'm Asaf Maul. Often I think, how lucky am I to travel the world thanks to the music and the violin. In the past few years, I was fortunate to play almost every year in Schloss Elmau. It's a place that has this beautiful combination of nature, music, good food, and a great spa. This is not a commercial or a sponsored episode, although it could have been cool. And more, a conversation with the men behind this magical castle. Dietmar is a unique person, a visionary. He doesn't go around the bushes. I think you would enjoy listening to some of his ideas. Yes, I'm Dietmar Müller-Elmau. I was born here in this place in 1954, in room 54. <laughs> uh, and uh, I became the owner in 2007 of this place. My grandfather had built it initially. And uh, it was a place, a cultural hideaway, actually, from the beginning. But um, he had a different idea of this place than myself. Um, for him, it was a place to take a vacation from the self. And for me, it's a place to take a vacation for myself. I love it. And I would like for you just to try, since we're sitting here and, and the listeners mm-hmm. cannot see the place. Yeah. If you had to describe it in words, mm-hmm. how would you describe this, this Schloss, this castle? Well, first of all, I would describe the valley, uh, because we have a valley around us, uh, which is the, the only, you know, there's nothing else except this hotel. And um, it's called the Elmau Valley, uh, which is a sanctuary high in the Alps, in the Bavarian Alps, about one hour south of Munich, 1,000 meters above sea level, very close to the Austrian border, right in front of the Alps. Right in front of us is the, is the Wetterstein mountain range, uh, ri- rising from, uh, you know, from 1,000 meters to 2,500, 3,000 meters. So it is a valley that is, um, gives you a feeling of, of freedom and belonging because it's, it's wide enough not to feel sort of, uh, you know, um, caught into something. And, and it's close enough to still feel, you know, protected. And this, this special sense of freedom and being protected it makes it very, very special atmosphere. And then um, the silence of the mountains on one side Uh, which are there, you know, seem to be unmovable, uh, time suspended. But then you also hear the sound of the rushing creek, uh, which is sort of never-ending. Um, so this, these two combinations of the creek and the mountain, the silence, is a perfect venue for music. You know, walking into this place, it is a very mixed feelings. Mm-hmm. You come into this castle it looks like a castle from the outside. fairy tales mm-hmm. from the outside and you walk in and it's a modern place with different motifs one of the things that i see when i walk in is this motif of the golden elephant mm-hmm. running around and you are a person that lived in many places around the world and i'm curious which influences did you bring from your abroad journeys to this schloss that mm-hmm. actually feels like You know, it's an ancient place, yet mm-hmm. very modern in a way. Yes, well, it, this place had burned down in 2005. So I had the opportunity to rebuild it from scratch and add a second hotel. So first of all, there are two Schloss Elmaus. There's <laughs> always one you don't have to go into. Uh, you know what that yeah. means. <laughs> <laughs> so the sense of freedom is essential. And there is no freedom unless the freedom of choice when, if, if there is no alternatives. So there is, I celebrate diversity. I celebrate contradiction. There is no freedom without contradiction. And in the world of diversity, diversity and contradiction, you need orientation. 
And the elephant in India, the Ganesha in front of the temple, reminds you you need two qualities before you enter the Sanctum Sanctorum. One is the ability to remember, and the second is the ability to discern and make sound judgment. And this is why the elephant is all over present. It's basically a symbol for the world of diversity. And this world is contrasted by the homogeneity of light, of the sun and the moon. So we have, uh, contrary to modern uh, design theory, what modern architects do, I turn it the other way around. I celebrate diversity in materials, heterogeneity in the world, and homogeneity of light, of sun and moon, which connect everything and contrast the diversity. I love this sentiment, but I must ask you, mm -hmm. you as you said, you are born in 54, a few mm -hmm. years after the Second mm -hmm. World War finished. Mm -hmm. You are born to this generation of, of people in Germany that has to, had to deal with mm. not talking about this. Absolutely. And, and you know, mm -hmm. this place was also at, at some point used by the Nazi regime. Yeah. Mm. And you're talking about diversity, but this mm. place or yeah. your generation did not celebrate diversity no, at all. No, it was just the opposite. That's what I said. It's different from my grandfather. For him, it was freedom from the self. It was a community which was important. For me, it's individualism which is important. So I think it come the reason why I was able to turn it around, basically transform the genetic code of this place, was because my mother isn't German. She came from Curaçao. She grew up in a very cosmopolitan environment. She was a stranger in Elmo, and I was a stranger in Elmo. And we were outsiders. So actually, you know, I was happy when it burned down because I could I rebuild it in a different way. But, um, but still, you know, there was one thing that stayed the same throughout those hundred-year history, is the love for music. Um, even though the music before the Holocaust was basically for inspiration, relaxation, it was part of the vacation from the self. You would listen to the music, and, and in German understanding, listening to music was listening to the divine. Uh, the artist would disappear behind the works or the composer, you know, something like that. And uh, for me, it's completely different, you know. Music is the highest expression of individual creativity and freedom. It's the opposite ideal. It's the Jewish, American, Anglo-Saxon ideal versus the German Protestant ideal. And however, after the war, after the Holocaust in 1957, um, but actually it started already 51, but in 1957, uh, when the Amadeus Quartet came here and started the British German Chamber Music Festival, which actually did British, uh, not the British, but the Jewish German Chamber Music Festival, they came all back from and to try to reconnect to, with the German artists, music became a means of reconciliation. It was the only level where Jews and Germans could start talking to each other again. And that tradition, which was found by Amadeus with Benjamin Britten, Cambridge, Lynn, Yehudi Menuhin, etc. And out of this tradition, basically, Amma became a place for chamber music around the world. And they didn't come only for the festival, then they came for the rest of the year. And what we're doing today is much more music than ever before. We have several festivals. Now the Verbier Festival, Schloss Elma right now, where you're participating. And then we have jazz festivals, literary festivals, political debates. And Elma has become a very political place. I've been deeply engaged in um, deepening the transatlantic relationship between Germany and America to anchor Germany in the West rather than in the East, uh, where there's a different ideal. You are nothing, the people is everything in the East. And in the West, it's you are everything and the people is secondary kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and also with uh, German-Israeli relations, we, I, I turned Elma kind of a summer camp of the Hebrew University when I started here. And, uh, you know, dealing with German history of the 20th century, with Jewish-German history. And Elmo has become a meeting place for Jewish intellectuals like no other place in Germany ever had. And that came on top of it. And out of this whole engagement, the musical engagement and the intellectual engagement, basically the G7 came out. So we had the G7 first time in 2015 and again this year, uh, 22. The only place it was 
twice in the same place. And when Angela Merkel um, explained why she chose Schloss Elmo as, as a place for the G7, she said it's uh, 100 years of musical tradition, which is unique in the world in the hotel. There is no other hotel in the world that has that. And my 15-year uh, engagement and political engagement for German-Israeli and uh, German-American relationships. I see, I hear the passion that you're mm. talking about this, and I find it very unique. You're, mm. you're a businessman, you're a hotel uh, owner, yet you are involved in creating a, a talk, a debate. Mm -hmm. Where does this passion come from? I mean, I understand that, that it's a beautiful place, but not in any other hotel owner will keep no. running such a business that is... Uh, no, we do it out of the... Pa that passion for the music was always there. The passion for politics was also there, just opposite sides. <laughs> my, my, my grandfather was a very, very unique person in Germany because he uh, was at the same time ad uh, adoring the Jews and Hitler. Yeah. And so this was a miracle. How is this possible, you know? And I tried to figure out to deal with that question. And, you know, when Misha Maisky would ask me, you know, Dietmar, can you explain me why this, you know, uh, high-cultured Germans who were so admired by the Jews for their music and, and cultural achievements, why they became such barbarians? And that question always bugged me since I was a child. How can you be in a place where, you know, and, and our family, um, and, and Elmo, I grew up, and most of the artists are Jewish, and our family friends, my fa part of my family is Jewish. So you, you wonder, how was this possible? Exactly. But for me, it wasn't the question how, it was the question why. Why the Germans? Why the Jews? Why not the Swiss and the French and blah, 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 you know? So I was digging, this question was, was, you know, essential to my heart, and nobody could really give an answer. And that's why I engaged with this, uh, when after I sold my computer company, I made this my private university. I had studied philosophy, but I had, couldn't finish it. Like many pro computer people, you know, they stop <laughs> going to... They create their company. I became very successful. Also had a company in Israel. We were number one in Israel as well as in any other country. Um, and uh, then I, I invited all the, the scholars from around the world, mostly from Israel and America, uh, but also from Europe. Very few from Germany. There are not many intellectuals that are interesting in Germany. And so uh, to, to, to go on, uh, on search for this question... And I found it that there is opposing ideals of freedom. And my, for my grandfather, freedom had a different notion than for me. For him, it was freedom from the self. For me, it's freedom for the self. And, uh, and this is still a big issue in German politics today. And Germany's politics has always been wavering between East and West. And the, the we was always more important than the I. And it's uh, now because of, thanks to Putin, unfortunately, with this horrible war, Germany has moved much more to the West than ever before in the last 50 years. And uh, because not only they're afraid of Russia, but also, you know, they see what this threat of freedom is, and freedom is the most precious thing we have. And for me, as a child, growing up in a place where your individualism didn't mean anything, and I was rebelling against this place because I wanted to keep my freedom. I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do, not even my parents. And my mother was very strongly supporting me in that, which was very unique. Normally, you have to obey, you have to fit in. And here, I didn't want to fit in. I didn't want to obey. I want, I, you know, with the Amadeus Quartet, as a child, I turned off the fuse in the concert hall. Everybody was dark. They had to stop the concert. <laughs> and, and the Amadeus Quartet, Peter Shitloff in particular, the viola player, was the only one who said, Dietmar, you're so great. I, I, you know, he was like a father to me yeah. um, because he embraced my rebellion against this homogeneity uh, in this place, you know, this oppressive homogeneity, which I hated. What you're saying raises a few questions, and, and I will start from the, the, the idea of this war mm -hmm. in Russia. 
to operate this mm-hmm. fantastic place, you need a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talk nowadays and, and the, the energy mm-hmm. crisis, especially mm-hmm. in Germany. It's huge. How, how will you, are you worried about keeping this mm-hmm. uh, place mm-hmm. running during this? I'm time? always worried. I'm always paranoid. You know, this year was the most successful, but next year we may be bankrupt. Who knows? You know, I never see ourselves achieving getting anywhere. Um, there was a great, you know, Osip Mandelstam from Russia, a Jewish poet, you yeah. know, who was killed by the, by the communists. He had a great saying, the, the further you progress, the further the goal moves away from you. So, and we never are anywhere. But I heat everything here with wood. Uh, when I rebuilt it in 2007, uh, I built a wood uh, heating plant and now I'm building a second one. So just in case one, you know, is not working, I have a second one as a backup. So I will be completely independent of gas, uh, um, at the time. At the time that I did it with wood, it was I want to be independent of Saudi Arabia. Now I want to be independent of Russia as well. Wow. So this is a visionary uh, person uh, building out. <laughs> well, because I, you know, I did a lot of business, my computer company in the Arab world. I've been actually in the Arab world before I came to Israel in 73. So I've been in Israel for, for more than 50 years almost yeah. now. And uh, I always knew that there's a problem in the Arab world, you know, and they are anti-Western, they're anti-ressentiment, the, the, the I means nothing, there is no individual freedom, etc., etc. So um, I had no illusions about the Arab world and I had also no illusions about the peace now or whatever, you know. And uh, this is a clash, you know, between two different ideals of, 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 of freedom, uh, essentially. Uh, you may not even call it freedom, the freedom from the self, you know. Uh, it's, it's a power, power political uh, theology in a sense. Uh, anyway, but um, the, the, the energy is a big, big issue. We fortunately, we protect it because of the wood, but even wood doubled in price because if everything goes up, wood goes up as well in price. So we were looking for solar energy, but in the past I couldn't get a permit because we are in a natural reserve. You cannot build anything outside, you know, this is a protected uh, area, which is beautiful. But we have a valley where nobody can see, and I would like to build a solar plant there, because within the next few years we have to completely turn to electricity. So we even heating has to come from electricity. Already today our electricity is 100% eco. We have 20% of our own hydrogen plant from the river, but it's not enough, but I need to add a solar to it. And we need to drill into the ground to get uh, warmth, you know, energy from from uh, deeper levels. Yeah. So I think the goal is to become completely independent um, of outside energy and to just be our self, self-reliant in that sense. You were talking very passionately about your, your company, your software mm-hmm. company. Maybe you can say a few words about that, but for me, the, the curious question is, mm-hmm. why did you name it Fidelio? Because Fidelio is the only opera exactly. that Beethoven wrote, Ever wrote composed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose, out of all names, this specific For two name. reasons. First of all, I like the overture. Second, I like uh, Fidelius about freedom. And see, okay. the, the whole idea of this software was about freedom, individual freedom. It was user-defined, it was software. So it was a software for the hotel business in the world. Most chains in the world use it. It almost was a monopoly. And even in Israel at the time, now it's maybe a little lesser, some local competition. Um, and the idea was that everybody could change the software any way he wanted without changing the, the code. So it was user-definable. It was uh, database-driven, as we would say in language. You know, you could change the screens, the reports, the input, uh, everything, the way you deal with the data, which is very important because the hotel business is a very heterogeneous business around the world. Every country is different. Every hotel is different. It's very individualistic. And you can't just put one software for everybody. But we were able, the first, to do one software for everybody around the world, from Mongolia to Las Vegas, to the cruise ships, to Israel, to the, to the King David and, and the Dan chain or whatever, and Schloss Elmau, <laughs> and, you know, three-star, two-star, five-star, mostly five-star. 
And that was unique, and that's why I became so incredibly successful, because we were adaptable to local conditions and individual requirements, and people could make ongoing changes. We spoke a little bit about the tradition of this place, and, you know, I come here, I'm lucky to come here the last, Many times. Uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years, yeah. and there is something that makes you feel at home. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the use of smells mm. or the use of the furniture or mm. the, everything that, that has to do with this place. And I'm asking you this on purpose because I'm trying to find the simila- similarities mm-hmm. to the world of music. Mm-hmm. The world of music is built on tradition, mm-hmm. passed on mm-hmm. from one generation to another. Mm-hmm. And here is my question. It goes both ways. Mm-hmm. One of them, how, because you are obviously a very visionary person. person that tries to break the rules and use different materials, solar energy, mm-hmm. yet you stick to tradition. Yeah, and you know, um, actually, I'm not a visionary. I'm an egoist. <laughs> <laughs> I want to feel comfortable. I built this place for myself. And, you know, we're all full of contradiction and we feel comfortable at home in a world of contradiction because that means freedom. And if you come to in a perfect kind of environment where everything is one style or whatever, you're caught up in that. You know, some people like it, others don't like it. I don't like to be in a homogeneous world. That's why I love to be in Israel or in India or in America, because it's full of contradiction. And that's where I feel free. It inspires my mind. At the same time, contradiction means also tradition and modernity. It means past and present. And I'm, I'm happy that not everything burned down. The East Wing and the concert hall basically were not were safe by the, protected by the fire. So um, the concert hall is a miracle because of the acoustics, which is incredible. Nobody understands why, because it has windows. You can look out in the nature when you sit in there. And so I think this contrast between old and new, tradition and modernity, between you know, um, elements from Italy, from India, from Asia, from South America, woods from all over the world, you know, places, hotels are places for strangers to meet. So I not only think about people to strangers, but also materials from around the world. So I use materials from around the world. I leave it everything as it is. I don't laker it. I don't homogenize it. I try to keep it as it is. And that's why people feel at home, because they feel at home in a world of contradiction, because they themselves are full of contradiction. So this is what it makes at home. But for me, the biggest luxury actually is to be a stranger in my own place. And you know that that's when you travel around the world, you feel comfortable because you can be a stranger without fear. So this, I think, is I don't want to feel at home. I want to feel as a stranger. This is much more comfortable for me. How do you deal though with the criticism that, like this place that is very mm-hmm. exclusive, mm-hmm. your opinion might be very unique, mm-hmm. um, not acceptable, mm-hmm. especially in Germany mm-hmm. of nowadays. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with this criticism? That, uh, well, we always criticize when the American president shows up here because the, there's a lot of anti-Americanism in Germany, which is a secondary anti-Semitism. It's the same ressentiment against the, element, uh, the elements of individual freedom, you know? That's what's really behind it. And here, you know, we hire people from all over the world and we treat them well. We pay them the highest salary in Germany in the hotel business and it's all very peaceful and a lot of respect mutual respect I don't tolerate between guests and stuff if there is not the utmost respect for the individually for the individual on the other side so I think that uh, even though we are you know a fairly expensive hotel but I'll say we're not so expensive people come here for the music week they pay 250 euro a night 
to, to stay and have two concerts a day. I mean, you pay that for one ticket and one evening Absolutely. just alone. So, so we have a huge range. You can book a suite for two and a half thousand euro, which in Switzerland would cost you 10,000, Italy maybe 5,000. So we, we are not, you know, we are very heterogeneous clientele as well. People who come here love the music and they, they save the money to do this. Then there's also people who don't care, you know. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's not such a, you know, a, a loft thing that is so far removed from the society. From our staff who also go to the concerts, you know, they can go to any concert and in any cultural event we have. So it's a very open society with all the, you know, the different heterogeneities and uh, social differences, etc., etc. But at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We have to respect each other on the same level. This for me is the most single most important. And every year there's about three, four guests which I ask to leave the place because they didn't show enough respect to our staff. I've never had asked any staff member because of lack of respect to another guest. Sometimes I ask a staff member because he didn't have enough respect for his colleague. Then I said, there's no way you can stay, you know. I'm trained as a classical mm -hmm. musician. All my life I work on refining the small mm -hmm. details, mm -hmm. but eventually trying to tell a story. Mm -hmm. You come to a concert, you listen, and I mm -hmm. try to give mm -hmm. you a full mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. I watched you many times walk around the hotel, mm -hmm moving a napkin, mm. moving a chair, mm. working on the small details, but mm. eventually you try to give us, the musicians mm. and mm. the guests, mm. the full experience. Mm. As you say, the cultural hideaway. Mm. Would you have liked to become a musician? And uh, it didn't happen? I think that's the highest. I would love the, to be, have become a musician. Actually, I played Sita for 10 years when I was in India, um, but then I had to run my software company and I was no chance to play Sita on the plane. And I lived on the <laughs> plane basically for too many years, so I had to give it up. But uh, I was very much uh, by my children that they all learn an instrument. And uh, my youngest son, he's very good in piano. And then the pandemic hit and we were locked down and we were locked up. I says, well, he's studying law also. I said, now, you know, for me, it's more important you practice piano every day for hours than you to, to study law. And he, he took that on him and he got the hang of it of practicing, which, you know, at, at, at the beginning, sometimes it's difficult, but one point you're reached and it becomes inspiring. You get addicted to, to, to practicing. And for me, a home without music is not a home. Um, this is very important. And, but, but, you know, going around and doing the little details, um, everything is kind of a meditation of mindfulness, constantly paying attention. And I'm not, you know, telling people what to do. I do it myself if I can, but I hope that they will see that this is important. So I tell our staff the most important thing they can learn here from a hotel point of view is first the fire, then the light, and then the guest. This is the priorities. And they say, how, how is this, you know, this should be the other way around. It says, no, if you do it the other way around, you won't have any guest. So the atmosphere is extremely important. And the atmosphere is attention to detail. And no, we will never be as good as the musicians. But, you know, the musicians are the most demanding, the most uh, challenging guests that you can have in a hotel because they're perfectionist, they're hedonistic, they, they have taste, uh, everything, you know. More, so the whole hotel is built for artists. I want the artists to feel comfortable. You come here, you basically get nothing for it. You have the spa, whatever, and you give everything you have. So we have to make every effort to make it as perfect as it can. And we always know we will fail. We will never be as good as the music. We'll never be as beautiful as the nature. But we have to make the effort. And some people, when they come here, say, well, it's such a great location, unbelievable. I say, it's our biggest problem. They say, why is it your biggest problem? We have to make an extra effort, <laughs> not less effort. We have to make even more effort. You know, <laughs> I like to finish my, mm -hmm. my episodes with a, a cultural recommendation. But in your case, I would love to ask you uh, a different way. Is there any memory, a strong memory for you of a cultural experience that you had here? And 
is there someone that you still wish that would come here and as a guest, an artist, an author, you name it, that still didn't show up and you're so much looking forward to? There's been one artist I've always, I've, uh, I know him for many, many years, since 30 years, since the Verbier Festival started, but I never ask him. I never ask any artist, actually. I always wait until I'm approached, and it's Kissin. Okay. And he's now coming on 1st of April um, and performing a Holocaust drama, which he composed the music for, and one of his own pieces, which he composed for the Ukrainian war. And on the last Verbier Festival, we had a long talk about Ukraine and, and Russia and politics in general, etc., and he was very surprised um, to, to, to hear my opinion. We were, and it was a fantastic conversation we had. So ever since we started to, to link up, we, so it started on the level of politics, not of music. And, and I was very, very impressed by him, by his political engagement, how outspoken he is, you know, and how clear he is and how much he knows history. And he was surprised I knew some things he didn't know. And I was surprised that he knew some things that I didn't know. So it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, for me, you know, Sokolov is one of the greatest pianists of our time. And I've, you know, he's been coming here for 10 years. And it was very, very difficult. You know, everybody knows how complicated Sokolov is, pianos, et cetera, et cetera. But we developed a deep friendship. It's like become, he's coming every year now. And for me, this was a dream come true. And I said, you know, for, I said, it's enough if he plays and if there's no other concert the whole year kind of thing. But, and, uh, and then I said, well, Sokolov admired Kissin and he admired Marta Agreche. Marta Agreche also comes very often and loves the place. So it's really, um, you say, what else is left uh, uh, after that? <laughs> when you have this year, this coming year, basically all the top pianists of the world are coming. The next Verbier Festival in November next year, it's Trifonov, it's Lugansky, it's Pletnev, you know, and then Kissin and Sokolov. It is all in one year. And, and see, I mean, I can name it so many, Andras Schiff and so on and so forth, you know. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's, it's such a gift. I am so grateful. I cannot say how grateful I am that they come and this appreciation for this place. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Dietmar, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much, Dietmar, for this conversation. If I had to recommend any of you, book your trip to Elmau soon. I promise you, you won't regret it. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to comment on my Facebook page, Strings Attached Podcast, or find me on Instagram, Asaf Maus. You are listening to Strings Attached. I am Asaf Maus. <laughs>